the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, there are brothers and sisters when they come to church, they can't hear a thing pastor say. And then one day, they come in and are on the edge of their seat. And it's as if they have a solo audience with God. And God is crystal clear when he's talking to them. Why? He has removed the veil from their hearing. And now they're interested in what God has to say. That's God's word, not your word. Forgiveness of our own sins. There is really nothing like it when we come to the understanding of God's amazing forgiveness towards us. And then to turn around and have the same desire for those around us to know that peace, that forgiveness, that amazing grace. That is the subject of our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Welcome to the program. We're in Job chapter 33, verses 14 through 30, as we take a look at the desire to see others forgiven of their sins, to discern the mysterious work of it all, and to understand and recognize the unripe fruit of man's opinion. It's not reality, and they're not ready, and it's all here in Job 33. Please join us. Here's Pastor Jessica Stan and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The word chasing doesn't simply mean to pull the belt out, but what it always means is to correct you. It always means to rebuke you. It always means to check you, literally check you. Now, this is the advantage that a son has who has his father with him, and his father cares about how he thinks. And when they're close together, Papa is always saying, now, son, don't do that. That's okay, but let me help you. Let me help you do that in a wiser way. Son, come over here. I saw you when you handled that business, but that wasn't good. Here's how you should do it. Or, now, you know that was wrong. Go back and fix that, boy. Go back and fix that. That's called chastisement. It's the goal of taking the paideia and growing them up, maturing them, developing them. What's phenomenal about verse 16 is that the father has snuck in imperceptibly and owned that person as his son. The one who was rebelling against God's word. The one who was opposing God's truth. The one who was denying God's word, mocking God. Now all of a sudden, guess what? He's listening to God. Here's how you know. He don't have to come to you anymore. He's opening his Bible for himself. He's reading his Bible for himself. He's sneaking and praying for himself. Because in the vulnerable place where he was weak, God began to wake him up. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now he still, she still looks real bad on the outside. 
She's still walking around with the Egyptian clothes of her ghetto-ness. <laughs> looking real bad in her ghetto-ness. He's still looking real bad as a Babylonian. But the work begins on the inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right. This is why we bring them. This is why we bring them. Peradventure, the Holy Ghost, get a hold of them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right. So let's keep working. So he opens their ears and he seals. I love that word. That is your common term for certifying, qualifying to be authentic. It's what a king does when he seals a document with his ring, as did uh, Xerxes when he gave the ring to, um, to, um, to Haman and when he gave the ring to Esther and Mordecai. He seals it. Now, what God has done is sealed that person and designated them for the process of the forgiveness of sins. See, every one of God's elect are what? Sealed. Are we sealed? With the Holy Ghost. We are God's property, and God's going to get us to glory, even if it means tearing up everything in your life. He's going to get you to glory. Do you believe it? He's going to get you to glory. Verse 17. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 17. That he may withdraw man from his what? Oh, I love this. Now, God works on the inside and God works on the what? Outside. So on the inside, what he does is he discombobulates that person's confidence. He causes that person to lose his confidence in his schemes and his plans. He no longer has the same level of pride and assertion and aggression that he did before. Watch how this works. That he may withdraw man. You see the word withdraw? Restrain him. Literally take him out of his course. Keep him back from his purpose and hide pride from man. Let me explain that last clause. When God gets a hold of a young person or a young man, young woman, and begins to deal with them, they lose confidence in themselves as God. They begin to struggle with their choices. And they might begin to ask you, can you tell me, would this be the right way to do a thing? Maybe God is working. But what he's certainly doing when he's drawing, he's com completely demolishing their plans in their heart. And watch this. Watch this. It says, and he begins to hide what from man? The word here literally is lifting up. And really what it connotes is he stops the person from their goal. And their goal falls apart so that they can't boast. See, the lifting up is the boasting in the works of your own hand. Boasting in what you have done. Boasting in your accomplishments. Now, child of God, you know that God resists the what? Right. So no child of grace ever says that what they do, they did all by themselves. It's always a product of God's mercy and grace, right? When God's dealing with that person, drawing them to himself, he causes them to see that their plans are collapsing right in front of his face. Sometimes he'll let it fall apart publicly. In order to hide pride, hide his success, hide what he could have been, which would have made him even more of a proud monster and drew him farther away from God. See, now right here is where I'm going to admonish you. Mama, don't try to rescue him 
when God is trying to save him. Daddy, don't try to rescue her when God's trying to save them. You got to go down before you what? Got to go down. Got to go down. Please understand that work. It might look bad to you, and your heart goes out. Say, Lord, keep me, because I am quick to be a pseudo-savior. Mamas and daddies will save their children from God when you think that they can be saved without first being broken. God breaks all of his people before he brings them in. You guys got that? That he may hide pride from man. <clears throat> Verse 18, here it is. Let's keep going. He keeps back his soul from the what? Love this verb here. You don't see what's going on, but literally God has intervened in that person's life. He has actually put his hand on that person and drew them back from the pit. No one knows it but them and God. See, when you and I are headed, walking in, and going towards darkness, we're slaves of sin. We have no control of the process. And when the incline gets steep, we start rolling down into hell. And we know we're out of control. And unless God comes and gets us and begins to draw us back, we're tumbling into hell. And when he begins to draw you back, you sense that a power greater than your circumstances has intervened to get a hold of you, stopped you in your momentum going down to the pit. It's an amazing experience. Watch this. He keeps his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the what? So many of us know what would have happened to us had that car not caught a flat. So many of us know what would have happened to us if we had jumped in that car with our buddies. So many of us know what would have happened if the police didn't pull us over and lock us up that night. So many of us know how God intervenes to stop us from destroying ourselves. Verse 39, he is chastened also with pain upon his bed. The motif now switches back to the common metaphor that when God is dealing with you, you often are sick spiritually. Remember, David was on his sick bed, constantly describing how God deals with him when he's pining away because of his iniquity. Notice what it says. He is chastened also with what? He's chastened also with what? Upon his bed. Now, this could be physical, because certainly, look, and the multitude of his bones with strong what? Verse 20. So that his life abhors bread and his soul what? Verse 21. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that used to be seen what? Ladies and gentlemen, you know what God has just done? Put that brother or sister on a fast. And I've been saying it for years. True fasting is not the fast that you determine to do. Well, I'm going on a fast. Well, God's not in that. You can fast all you want to. You can fast to lose, lose weight. You can fast to get beautiful skin. You can fast for whatever you, you can fast to feel good. You can fast to be healthier, but it's not spiritual. Please understand that. You don't get closer to God by fasting until God does it. 
And when God does it, you're not hungry for physical food. He causes you to fast from food and folly. He causes you to fast from normal digestive food for your body and the food of your folly that you generally engage in. When God begins to deal with you, you no longer, for that season of sickness, want to go to the club, want to go online and watch that porn. You no longer want to drink from that perverse pit of iniquity because you're fasting and God did it. Now, all of a sudden, you want a little quiet space. Now, you know you rowdy by nature, but now you want quiet. You no longer are answering your cell phone or your text messages because you want quiet now. Now, you know you stuck on stupid, but now you want quiet because God is causing you to fast and you're losing weight quickly because he's about to teach you the first principle of saving revelation. Verse 22. Verse 22. Yea, his soul draws near unto the what? And his life to the what? That man, that woman, begins to address, you see it in your outline, their mortality. Right. You know when we're in the strength of our pride, we don't even think about dying. It doesn't even come to mind. You won't have that conversation with anybody. The notion that you could die today before you leave this room, you could have a heart attack, a stroke, die. Any of us, young or old, you never think that way in your pride. You never think that way in your strength. You know what you do? You make plans without God. Today I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'm going to do that. The next week I'm going to do that. I'm going to build my kingdom by my own strength. But when God shows you your mortality, you know what the young person begins to do? He begins to think, I could die tonight. You got that? That's how God dealt with me. He made it clear that I was a mortal creature at 18 years old. And he began to show me all of my friends whom I knew and saw die from 14 years old. And he let me know that there was no reason why I couldn't die tonight because I was doing the same thing they were doing, slanging dope and running the streets and gangbanging. But he made it real to me, my mortality. And then you know what else he made real? That there are those who are called destroyers. That's the second line. His soul draws near to the grave and his life to the destroyers. What God begins to do is to show you that there is another dimension to reality of entities who control and manipulate the lives and souls of men of whom you formerly did not believe existed. The devil does exist. Demons do exist. A dark world of principalities and powers do exist. They have massive control over mostly everyone who does not know liberation in Christ. Their greatest control is to blind you to the reality that they exist. But when God begins to open your eyes, not only do you see your own mortality, but you see the demons of hell, the hordes of hell surrounding your soul. And no one can tell you they don't exist because they're riding your conscience. Are you hearing me? 
They're called the destroyers. Don't have time to unpack it. Just want you to see it. Keep going. Let me keep teaching. Here it is. If there be a messenger with him, here's where you want to pray because we are at the end of our three steps. We are now about to move up. What has God done? He has taken that young man and that young woman and let them begin to contemplate the consequences of their sins. Do you hear me? They are now beginning to believe the first work of the Spirit of God. And when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will convince your world that you are the sinner. You are the sinner. You are the sinner. The word didn't mean anything before. They laughed at it. They scorned it. I'm about to talk about that word here in a moment. They mocked it. They ridiculed it. Now, sin means everything to them. This is the first work. You must be convinced that you are the sinner. Now, for this to be sealed Something must happen of which Elihu is now, Elihu is now calling our attention. He says, if there be a what with him? A messenger what with him? With him. If there's someone with him, stay with me now, on his side, nearby him, in his behalf, for him. Like God is not only for us, God is what? With us. And when someone's with you, they are there in your what? Behalf. Hear me, ladies and gentlemen. Every soul needs a messenger. The Hebrew word is malak, from which we get our last book of the Old Testament Bible, Malachi. The messenger comes in three forms. God himself, the angel of the Lord. Are you ready? The preacher. The preacher. The preacher is a messenger. The Lord Jesus, the angel of the Lord, is the quintessential messenger. And God the Father speaks through all three. Now, when God assigns the messenger to you, he's getting ready to walk you through your sin condition right on up out of it to show you the forgiveness of sins. Are y'all with me? Pray that God gives your child, your loved one, a messenger a preacher of the gospel who can draw near his soul and be with him to begin a work that I must tell you about now. Can I tell you about the work? I love what Job did with this passage of Scripture, rather the writer of Job. He says if there be a messenger with him, and then he qualifies the characteristics of that messenger. An interpreter. You see it? An interpreter. Now I want you to write this down. The word interpretation here is the best our scholars could do. It is, the, it is not the normative word for interpretation, but it connotes that a person is standing before you who is representing you and the person who you oppose. Here's the way I want you to, in, to translate that. Are you ready? An ambassador. Right. I'm, I'm getting ready to help you with this. The interpreter is an ambassador. Now, what is an ambassador? He's a representative of a kingdom, and he comes to make agreement with you to either surrender 
or face the judgment. That's what this word means. He's an ambassador bringing the authority of the kingdom to bear on that person who has exercised opposition to the kingdom. See, an ambassador will come with gifts. He will come with contracts. He will come with stipulations. The ambassador will go to a country and say, hey, you know, we've been watching you guys for a while, and we think that your behavior is contrary to our interests. Now, if you want to live, please sign this contract. Stay with me now. I'm getting ready to unpack it. Can I do that? Right. So then that other kingdom is hearing the cordial development and exposition of the messenger as the messenger lets them know, here is who we are. Here is what we do. Here is what we have. And we want to let you know before this thing gets off, you can't win. Raise your hand if you're with me. The ambassador is there to let you know before the guns go to firing that the best thing you can do is listen to me. That's what the word really means. Now, the word is translated powerfully several times in the scriptures as scorner. Write that down. Because I want to show you something about the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of Christ when he begins to deal with you around your sins. He will tell you where you are with God. He will let you know your condition before God. He will show you that you are an enemy of God. And this is not preached today in our churches. Ladies and gentlemen, will you hear me? Before God saves you, you are God's enemy. Do you know it? Before, you, before God saves you, you're God's enemy. May I also say, God is your enemy. God resists the proud. He hates all workers of iniquity. God's angry with the wicked every day. All that hate me love death. Men and women outside of Christ are at war with God. The carnal mind is enmity to God. And that's why when God knows that an individual has not bowed the knee to Christ, you know what he does? At best, he leads them to their own devices because he knows you and I by nature are self-destructive. When God begins to deal with you, he doesn't play games with you and tells you how wonderful you are and how much you can add to his kingdom. He comes as an ambassador to let you know All of our guns are aimed at you. And in a nanosecond, you can be in hell. The wages of sin is death. Let me show you a beautiful beautiful truth here around this interpreter. I just told you the word means to scorn, right? Now, the word scorn is a verb that describes a person who is hypercritical, who sits in the seat of being a judge. The scorner is a judge. The scorner is a person that's quick to quarrel. The scorner is a person who assesses things that are going on and gives his or her opinion with vitriol. Do y'all know him? The scorner is the person that has a very nasty attitude, but they sit in judgment over everything. This is the person that Psalm 1 verse 1 says, a godly man won't have anything to do with him. 
Did you understand that? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the what? Judgment seat of the scorner. The proverb says, the scorner is proud and haughty, and he deals in proud wrath. What is a scorner? He's someone that's like a bulldog, a pit bull, a rottweiler, loves to be contentious. Do you know why? He's a judge. Y'all know him, don't you? Now, you know what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, pull it up, says? Watch this now. God scorns the scorner. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782 or stop by our website, grace-bible.com. We do thank you for spending time with us today. Trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.